go with me to the book of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in chapter 6 together, starting in verse 25. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along as it is read aloud. You can follow along if you've got the Bible app on your phone, if you've got your Bible with you, however you would like to experience the Word of God with us this morning. I invite you to do that. That song is perfect for us where we're going. Future, past, God is our future, the beginning and the end, the, our future and our past. I just love it, man, it's so good. Y'all know we choose songs intentionally, right? Like we, we don't just like, hey, this, this is a popular song on the radio, we should play this song. Um, we, we try to create themes out of our worship service. We think the Holy Spirit is moving in kind of an arc from the beginning to the end. So the songs we pick and last, you know, the, during Advent, the videos we had of the children, it was, all, it was all planned out. Some people, they put, there's a worship planning team. If you ever got any advice for us, just let us know. All right, we're going to Mark, uh, Matthew, Matthew. I'm teaching on Mark next week or in a few weeks. So here we go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wait a second. Matthew 6. 25 through 34. Oh, I need to start at verse 25, sorry. I haven't done that in a long time. That's my fault, everybody. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. It is almost the new year. We were just a few hours away. We're all working on our resolutions, making sure we got them set before we go into tomorrow. All thinking about the possibilities of the year that is coming, all reflecting on all the things that have happened in 2017. Our Facebook feeds are blowing up with montages of your past year. I hope that there's good pictures on there for you. Maybe you're thinking about all the things, the exciting things, or maybe the difficult things that 2017 has had. Today, though, we are confronted with a very interesting text, especially, I think it's very informative as we move into the new year. It's not one that, is, um, that we are okay with, in a way, or at least that we fully live into, right? It's very counterintuitive to our 21st century experiences of life, is it not? I think it's a great text to send us into the new year, and the word I've been hearing in this text and the lesson for us this morning, the direction the Holy Spirit is leading us, might not be new. And that's okay, because I think God speaks to us and reminds us of things. This is something that I need to be reminded of often, even if it's not something that I'm hearing for the first time. So I would like to preach this morning from the subject, the good old days. The good old days, if you can think back to the good old days. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
in the name of the Holy Spirit, God our Father, and God the Son, we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. That was good. See, here's the thing. I, if you haven't been here with us before, I think amen should be said with like gusto and vigor because like you're saying, I agree with that, so let it be so. And it's New Year's Eve, and so we got some people traveling this weekend. Uh, I fully expected that to be like a amen. But yeah, we were together, so thank you. You know, even the, I was sitting down here a second ago. I thought this place had like 10,000 people in it. I just could hear the collective voice. I just love that about this church. I love that about our service that we're doing in here. Yo, I, I'm not much of a worrier. I don't know if that surprises you or not. Maybe you think, he talks so fast, you've got to worry about all the things in the world. I'm not. I never really have been. I'm a pretty spontaneous person, kind of fly by the seat of my pants. I like to, um, I don't always have, you know, plans for things. I'm a hang-loose kind of guy. Um, I don't do this very often, but I just did. Um, my, in college, I've shown you pictures before, but in college, for those of you who did not know, I, my wardrobe consisted pretty much entirely of tie-dye and white linen pants. And, um, and I, you know, I was just kind of, I was that kind of hippie college guy that didn't really plan for things or show up on time for things. Um, and I would say epitome of like the bum that you don't want to bring home to your parents, right? Which is why my in-laws were thrilled when Brianna said, oh yeah, I'm going on a date with Woods. And they go, you mean that guy with like the hair down to his back who runs with the flag at the football games and paints his face? She's like, yeah, that guy. They're like, awesome. <laughs> They're pumped. Um, but Though I have less tie-dye t-shirts now, and, and Brianna won't let me wear my white linen pants anymore, um, I, I'm just saying, y'all, I've been working on it, but it's not going to happen. It's just not. Um, I, I have not really lost that side of my, my spirit, my nature. I'm still not a, an overly worrisome person. I don't worry about a whole lot of things, because I still kind of have that hang-loose mentality, that lens to see the world. Brianna says it's just called unorganization or, um, you know, lack of planning, but I just... I'm not, I don't always get bent out of shape about a lot of things. When I do, it's really small things, and, and it's silly. Like, I shouldn't be getting upset about things I do. But there was one time in my life that I can really identify with those in our lives who might be, you know, overwhelmed by worry and anxiety. And, and there's one time in particular I can always point to for like the rest of my life, and it was October of 2013. Brianna and I had been married just a few months, four months, and I was in my last year of seminary. And I think I saw Wilson Newell walk in. He'll understand this. Seminary is tough times, is it not? It is just, it's exhausting. And, um, but I was living in Montgomery and driving to Atlanta. And we would drive, um, you know, two and a half hours to class at 3.45 in the morning. We stayed there all day. And while I was doing that, I was working at First Methodist in Prattville. And I was serving as the director of contemporary worship. I was doing what Christine does. I was leading worship and planning worship. And, and um, we would leave. Be at, I just started a new marriage and Brianna and I, we didn't have a lot of money, and we, you know, we had a very specific income. We had $18,000 for the year, and we knew what, and in that month, it kind of felt like all those things were like at their worst points, right? I had midterms and seminary. Um, the two other pastors who were at Prattville, they went on a trip to the Holy Land and left me behind. And so I got to do all the Bible studies. I got to preach all the sermons. I got to do all the hospital visits. I got to do all the meetings. And I really got to learn what it was like to be a pastor in those two weeks. And the, most, the biggest thing that was going on was my commissioning paperwork was due. And if you've not um, heard us talk about this, to become a pastor in a Methodist church, it's a really long process. It's, it takes a number of years, and you've got to submit 100 pages worth of like doctrine and sermon and evaluation and Bible study. And you have to write all these things, and you have to get a psychological evaluation. And I passed twice. <laughs> and not that I failed the first time. You just have to do like... <laughs> 
I didn't even think about that. You have to do it every five years to make sure, like just to make sure. So <laughs> in that time period, it was kind of like everything was kind of coming up against me at once, you know, midterms and, and ordination paperwork and, and, you know, we had some unexpected payments come up in October and it was just, I was exhausted from traveling to a different time zone for school and I was like as stressed out as you could be. And I've never experienced this at any other time in my life. I pulled into my driveway after dropping Levi off at, on the other side of town. I pulled my driveway, and I get there. I'm so, like, physically upset that I get up, and, and I get sick. I throw up in our front yard, and I just, like, start breaking down crying. And um, Brianna comes out, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm sitting next to my Element. Yeah, I drove a Honda Element. That's, like, how, how much of a hippie I was. And, um, and she's like, uh, what's wrong? I'm just like... I'm never. I'm not gonna make it. We gotta give up. I'm never gonna get through all this. I'm not gonna be able to support our family. And I mean, I guess melodramatic as you can imagine. Like that's how I was. And I, I just like I've never in my life, other than that time, been so physically worried, so physically stressed, so just mentally exhausted to where it affected me that way. But I realized that that is something that a lot of us deal with regularly. This this state of worry and this state of anxiety and. And it was, it was crippling. It was that, that amount of fear, that amount of um, unsure if we're going to make it, that amount of just, just worried soul. And the ironic thing, though, in retrospect, as I look back on that entire season of life, is other than that moment specifically, I can't remember the other times when I was really worried or I was really upset. I know there were others. I know there was times I got nervous and I was, I was stressed out. But, but other than that one, like, what I remember from that season of life was my wedding, was how special that first year of marriage was. Even with the long drives, what I, what I remember is that me and Levi and Jay and Angie, we, we would drive together different semesters, and it would be 4 o'clock in the morning, we're trying to stay awake, and we're singing, you know, from the top of our lungs, we've got Del the Funky Homo Sapien going, and Skilo, and, and Sugar Hill Gang. I mean, that was our way to stay awake in the mornings, and that was so fun, we laughed, and we had a good time. Like, that's what I remember about that season. Even though the whole time, I was just like desperate to get out of it. The things I don't remember aren't, aren't my readiness to get out of it, but the things that I loved. It, isn't it funny how our brains kind of filter through the minutia sometimes? They help us throughout life. Our brains help us to, to maybe see things for the good that they were. And when, oftentimes we forget about all the angst that we don't even remember. I didn't put this on my notes, but I just remember my fraternity is like the best example of this. Like, I remember in fraternity meetings, we would be like yelling at each other and stressed out and like every, everything mattered, everything mattered. Like, what was the color of our t-shirts gonna be mattered so much that we had to fight about it. But I, like, I don't really remember those fights. I, I remember how much I loved those guys. I remember how much fun we had going to Waffle House at midnight. Like, that's what our, our brains do that sometimes, isn't it? And I think that sentiment is, is coming through in this text this morning. As, as we come back to the book of Matthew, as we look at this selection of scripture for this morning, we're, we're centered square in the, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew takes place over three chapters, and we're basically in the very middle of the Sermon on the Mount. In the beginning of this sermon, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. You are the salt of the earth. Do not put your light under a bowl. I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then he goes through these reinterpretations of the law. We talked about that a little bit last week. But right before this text, Jesus goes through talking about this season of prayer and fasting. About, you know, being able to, to be one with the Holy Spirit. To, to give our attention towards God. 
And then he says, and after all these, we should know also, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about your clothes. He says, can worrying about a single thing add an hour to your life? And this was like the key of the text for us this morning. This is kind of, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. After he gives us all these rules, after he tells us all these things, then he goes on and says, oh yeah, and don't worry. Do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, and don't worry. It kind of doesn't make any sense. And when you hear it at first, and you're like, oh yeah, don't worry. You're like, yeah, right, Jesus. That sounds real simple. I'll just not worry about things. You know, I'll just, it doesn't matter that, you know, I've got four kids that I've got to get to soccer practice and ballet and I've got to get them to, to daycare and I've got to do all these things and I hope to make it to jazzercise once this week. It doesn't matter about all those things. I mean, does anybody still do jazzercise? I don't know. <laughs> I don't go to jazzercise. If you do, keep doing it. You keep doing jazzercise. I, I just, it's easy for us to hear Jesus say, don't worry, and then put it up against our own lives and think, oh yeah. Well, it's probably easier in Jesus' time not to worry about things. He didn't have his Apple Watch going off every minute or so with somebody giving him a text about something to do. Jesus didn't have to live in this perpetual state of fear because of the 24-hour news cycle. Jesus didn't have to try to pay for college while also, you know, trying to maybe support our other students, kids as well. Like, Jesus, had kind of, Jesus doesn't understand my worries. It's easy for Jesus to say, don't worry. When Jesus, he, he had it easy. I mean, come on. I've got to do all these things that cause me to be stressed, that cause me to be worried. I don't know if your mind goes there. Maybe you're a better Christian than I am, but that's where my mind goes sometimes, where I read this text and it says, do not worry. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds easier said than done. Friends, I would also be remiss though if I didn't point out that there's a thread in the scripture that echoes this sentiment. If you've heard me preach before, you know I, I really like finding and, and picking up threads that cover scripture. Um, I think sometimes we can find really great pieces that apply to certain specific situations in scripture. Like when you read the New Testament, Paul, and Paul speaking specifically, and you, there's some really good life there. And when you read you know, the Old Testament, there's, but sometimes you can find a thread, you can find different threads that carry the link of the Bible. And I think this is one of those times as well. And if a thread can carry from Genesis to Revelation, which is over 3,000 years time period worth of writing, I think it's still applicable to us today. Later in the New Testament, James tells us, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes as such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Earlier in Proverbs, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. Jesus talks again in Matthew about not building bigger barns. Isaiah teaches about being present and hearing God in stillness. And the psalmist tells us to be still and know God. They're not the exact same words, but I think they have the same theme. Intrinsically tied to both, this nature of worry and angst is also this idea of presence and being present. I, for one, am glad to know, though, that 
This is a narrative arc that carries the length of scripture because it means that I'm not the only one that struggles with this. It means that I'm not the only one that sometimes has a worry in my life. It means that I'm not the only one that sometimes has a hard time seeing God in the moment. And as we move into this new year, this time to start getting things oriented for 2018, we're ready to start setting our resolutions. So this seems like it'd be the perfect time to set a goal, right? A goal to stop worrying. My resolution this year is I will be less busy. My goal this year, my resolution this year is I will stop worrying. Like, even as I say that, I wonder, like, how well is that going to work? How good am I in general about keeping resolutions? Actually, I can tell you, I'm bad. I've kind of stopped doing resolutions because what's, this is what's happened. I, um, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'll make a resolution, and then I'll break it, and then I'll be so upset and guilty about breaking it that I won't try and pick it back up. Like, well, I've already failed. Might as well do something else. So, like, chocolate, for example. One time I tried to give it chocolate, and then, like, on the fourth, I ate a piece of chocolate, and I'm like, well, can't give it up now. I've already broken it. I don't know if you're like that with your resolutions. Maybe yours are more serious than mine are. Maybe chocolate is not the thing that you're giving up. I don't want to try it again. It was very hard. I made it four days. But I think if we're going to think about what does it mean to live into this scripture, to not worry, we might need to be a little more intentional than just saying, I'm not going to worry. My resolution is to not worry. Maybe instead of looking at the usual way of setting a resolution for the new year, Maybe I can suggest something that stuck out to me when I was watching one of my favorite TV shows. It's called The Office. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. It's a great show. It's really funny. Some people don't like that humor, and they're like, oh, it's kind of silly. And to you, I say, we might not be friends. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That was mean. I didn't mean that. But I got to get serious. In the last episode of The Office, this isn't a spoiler alert. I mean, you can go look on YouTube. Last episode of The Office, Andy Bernard, who's one of the main characters, he comes back, and he's like looking into the camera. You know, they do the interview thing. He's talking about Dunder Mifflin, the paper company that he used to work for. So, like, this is a reunion. It's like a year later. And he looks at the camera, and he says something like this so profound. And he says, I spent so much time here at Dunder Mifflin thinking about all my old pals from Cornell. But the weird thing is, I'm exactly where I want to be. I've got my dream job at Cornell, but I'm still just thinking about my old pals. Only now they're the ones I made here at Dunder Mifflin. And he says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And I think today's text resonates with that sentiment for me. That Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added unto you. And we're constantly, as a people, we're we're looking forward all the time in eagerness for things to be different, right? We can't wait till we get to to whatever's gonna be next. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes we're doing this out of fear or worry, like, um, you know, we're nervous about the future, so we're looking forward. And other times we're excited about the future, so we're looking forward. But we spend a lot of time looking forward. But the irony is that when we get to that future we want or we get to that future we're fearful of, we spend a lot of time looking back on the way things were or used to be. Has anybody, can you resonate with that? Have you, have you ever been there? Like when you left college, oh man, I, I miss college. Or when your kids left home, I, I miss it when my kids were home. Or when you didn't have to be an adult and pay bills. I miss being a, not having to be an adult and pay bills. That's like where I am. We are in a constant state of, of anticipation and fear, but also in, in nostalgia too, right? We're looking for this future and we get there and we wish we were in the past. Or we don't really like where we are now, so we're looking forward to the future. We spend a lot of time in the future and in the past. We spend a lot of time in anticipation and in nostalgia. Have you ever been there? Can you relate to that with me? Because I wonder if for this new year, if the path to worry less 
is to be present more. As I read through this part of Matthew, as I read through this part of the Sermon on the Mount, there's a presentness necessary to do the things God calls us to do. There's a presentness necessary to seek the kingdom of God first because it means that we have to recognize that the kingdom of God is here now and that we're trying to do the work of the kingdom in the here and now. And when we recognize the presentness of life, the, the presentness of God with us, the presentness of us with others, we're not drawn towards the future. We're not drawn towards the past. We're focused on what's going on right now. And like I said, this might not be earth-shattering for any of us. You might have heard this sermon similar before or seen it on some sort of inspirational poster on Instagram or something. But, you know, that, that cheesy cliche phrase, I don't really love cliches or cheese, but this one kind of works. Tomorrow's a mystery, yesterday's history, today's a gift. That's why it's called the present. Like, that's about as truthful as I can get today, friends. There's something about the nature of the kingdom of God that means we need to be present now. Not just, I can't wait till I get to my next career, or I can't wait till I get to my next promotion. I can't wait till I get to my next whatever it is. Or I wish things were the way they used to be. I wish our church looked like it did you know, a long time ago, or I wish our, our Sunday school was bigger than it, like the way it used to be. I wish it was all the things that it used to be. I wish that my, my kids hadn't gone off to, to college. I wish they're still homey. I mean, if we live in this perpetual state of I can't wait and I wish, then we miss that God is present here and now. And I pray for us as a church that this year, this new year, we will learn to be present with God and present with one another. That is my prayer for us as we move into this new year, that we will focus on that God is at work right here, right now. And that maybe we're actually in the good old days. Maybe right now is the good old days. And I get it. There are also seasons within this time, within this presentness, that, that pain is real, that things might be difficult. You might not be in a place where you're like, I don't want to stay here. Right now, here is tough. And, and, and I hear that. And I want to say, I believe that God is with us in our grief and that though things might not be easy, I think the path towards moving forward to healing for wholeness is recognizing that God is with us now. Not that God is going to be with us once we feel better or that when things are, are the way that they should be, that then God will be with us. But even in our grief, even in this present moment, God is here, God is now. And that to do the work of the kingdom of God on earth requires a presentness to this moment. And so my resolution is that this year. And I think it'll be one I can actually keep because it won't rely on me doing it every second of every day. It's growing in that. My resolution is to grow in my ability to be present. To grow in my ability to be present. That when we are together, I will give thanks. That when we are doing the work of God, we see that it is good. And I pray that for you also that we won't just be so eager to get to whatever future is ahead or so anxious about not being in the past, that we recognize that even in whatever's going on, God is with us now and always. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this new year. We give you thanks for this new season of life that we move into, and we give you thanks for this church. We thank you that you are 
working and moving in our lives, that you are speaking to us. As we move into this time of sacrament, Lord, we are grateful that at this table, you are present. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.